This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PNP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and take you to the front lines to those that are driving those changes. My name is Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Pest and Triangle Lawn, as well as Colmarch, the CEO of Colmarch Digital Marketing and Sales for Pest and Lawn Industries. I'm trying to speed that up, Dan, because we keep talking about this preamble that we do and how much people don't listen to it. So I'll go let you I will say my usual to the highly esteemed Mr. Dan Cord. Dan, would you like to say hello? Hello, everyone. So uh, today we are going to talk about the 10 steps to killing the customer experience or trying to improve your customer experience. So, yeah, I guess if you could like, you know, I wonder, like, is that really a good title? Killing the Uh, customer (laughs) Because as I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> we, we already committed, so we have to go with it. We got to go with it. <laughs> we mean killing in a good way, if there ever was such a right. thing. I guess killing books. Like so there you go. Killing it, not yeah. killing. Yeah, not killing. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, but no, this is a topic that um, that I very much enjoy talking about. It's one that I think uh, makes, uh, at least for our industry, when I compare our industry to other industries, whether it be plumbing, um, construction, you know, most other home services industries, I actually think the pest and lawn industries do quite well, uh, generally speaking, not not across the board, but in, in generally do. And, you know, I want to start this episode with kind of a reality check. And, you know, right now, the economy is on fire. Um, there are not a lot of people available to work or, you know, and, and, and there's a ton of demand. And so what that's turned into, it has turned into uh, most companies struggling to find people to do service for their company. Uh, and I, when I say that, I'm talking about homeowners or, you know, businesses or those types of things. And, you know, these service providers are struggling to find people to work for them. And so, you know, the reality of it is, is that, service in general now sucks. Just, you know, I mean, it just really does. I mean, you know, you, you call someone, you know, they may call you back. I mean, it just, and I hate to be pessimistic. And the, the fact is, is that this is the reality that we live in, at least in my area. I'm in Raleigh. It's growing like great, you know, gangbusters right now. You call someone, they may call you back. Um, it's just, you know, the state of service in general is pretty mediocre right now. And so, what that means is that there's a huge opportunity, I think, for you and your company. You know, if you can do the basics, right? If you can show up on time and actually keep your promise that you're going to, you know, make their lawn green or, or, you know, get their house clean of bugs or whatever. The fact is, is that the fact that you can show up on time, you can return a phone call and do what you say you're going to do. You're already 90% better than most companies out there. Um, now, Dan, you don't have to agree with me on that one, but... No, I, I actually do agree with them because with, with you because you know uh, having to having moved into a new home and you know looking for services and getting people to come over it's just a it's a total nightmare. But what's interesting is as you said the the um, opportunity or the reality is that we are in a um, very easy easily duplicatable business so it's easy to 
script things. It's easy to teach our technicians to do, um, you know, what they need to do to, to, to take care of the issue. Um, like if you're in carpentry or you're a home builder or, you know, every job is different. Every job is complex. Every job is a lot more, um, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it. And so um, what's pretty neat is if you do this right, you could be McDonald's on wheels. I mean, that's what you're doing, right? Because they have everything mm-hmm. figured out from A to Z um, in terms of the customer experience or, you know, as my kids would say, no, no, Chick-fil-A is much better. So right. I think you would 100%. probably agree with that, right? And what's, <laughs> what do they say? Uh, my pleasure. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. It would be my pleasure. Right. My pleasure. So, so a fun, a fun thing to do is go through the drive-through and see how many times you can get someone to say that, right? Just, just keep saying thank you multiple times. But, but you know, the reality of it here is that, you know, I, and Dan, I, I think you're right. I mean, you, you know, when when you look at what can we do as an industry, we, the only differentiator that we have, there's really two. Number one is how well we market. Number two is how well we provide the service because the fact is we are you know we all have access to the same um, materials we all have access to the same vehicles and so this is really the differentiator for your business and so so i want to jump right into this and you know this we're talking about the 10 steps right and i'm going to start with step one and we've talked about this in previous shows You know, I have to put this in because if you don't do this, this is really the fundamental of it. Uh, You know, the one fundamental that if you don't get this right, it doesn't really matter what you're going to do. You're not going to be able to produce a great customer experience consistently. And that is you have to invest in an infrastructure where you can figure out what is going on. Meaning that if you don't have a phone system where every single call is being recorded and pushed to a customer account, if you're not able to evaluate text and emails, if you're not able to know or recreate what happened between a customer and a technician or a customer and you know a CSR rep or a salesperson, the reality of it is is that you're not really you're not going to be able to do a lot of the steps that we're going to talk about later on. And so, so number one, you know. And this is kind of counterintuitive, right? When you think about, well, how do I improve my customer experience? Number one is that you've got to be able to have the infrastructure in place to recreate situations, understand what was said, what wasn't said, because you can't train, you can't standardize, you can't do any of that if you don't know what's going on. You know, and another part of your infrastructure is, is that you should be able to know what your customers really think. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, at, at Triangle, and I know that there's a lot of companies that do this. And so if you're already doing this and you say, hey, I've already, I'm already doing this, I got it figured out, it might not be a bad, time, bad idea to go back to this, but you gotta be sending out surveys and you gotta be sending out review requests. And, <clears throat> you know, the idea behind this is that you're, you're trying to get into the brains of what your customer's experience really is. Now, you're in the business every day, you know what's going on, you know what it's designed to do, but, I'm sure it, it, this doesn't happen with folks like Dan, but it, it definitely happens with me, right? I, I design a process and I've got it working. And then a year later, somehow, some way, <clears throat> either someone had a different opinion or something got changed or we upgraded something and it created a hole. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on. But you have to know and understand really what the customer experience is. And it doesn't really matter if they're right or wrong. It's their experience and their perception of it. 
And so even if you don't agree, you know, a customer calls in or sends you a bad review, you know, I've always said this perception is reality. You know, who cares what the facts are? <laughs> I hate to say that, but so, it is so true. So when, when, before you ask for the survey or the review or whatever, uh, I guess you're kind of saying, well, you know, you're, you're asking specific questions. So um, do you map out the customer experience? Uh, is gonna, it, um, yeah. And we're going to talk about that. And, and you know, we do. And, and in these surveys, there's depending on what kind they are. Some folks say, well, you just got to ask, ask the ultimate question. You know, would they recommend us? Yes, I agree with that. It's called a net promoter score. Yes, that is true. But, you know, what's actionable behind that? You know, I, I want to know a lot more because there's specific things that I have designed in our process that I want to know that's working. And so if I put this into a survey, and I'm not talking about every person's going to fill out this survey, but you should have different types of surveys. I think <clears throat> at a minimum, you should be asking every customer, would you recommend us? But I th also think that you should take your top 10% customers and you should be incentivizing them and asking them much more detailed and thought-provoking questions. Because I'm, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on, but, you know, at Triangle, we really focus on <clears throat> the top 10%. The top 10% customers call the least amount. We make the most money on them and they really provide a lot of our profit. And so what I want to do is I want to create that 10% and I'd love to make it 20 to 30 but, but the reality of it is, is that I've got to know what those folks really think about, because we have customers who, you know, it doesn't matter what we offer, they would buy it, right? I could tomorrow so, open up and say, yeah, I'm going to so, do shingle so, repair, and they would buy it. <laughs> you so, know? so you have a, a primarily a, a residential business that's, you know, got a service plan and whatnot. How do you define the ten, top 10%? Because I'm thinking that the revenue is going to be similar for most people who take your signature program. And, yeah. you know, every customer looks like every other customer. So is there a top actually, 10%? There is. And there's two factors that go into that. Number one is how much revenue are we collecting from that customer? And I'm not, you know, you got to take out things like home size and those types of things. And that number is it varies greatly depending on how many services they're buying from us as well. And so if someone's buying multiple services, if they're buying lawn, they're buying pest and termite and they got a mosquito program. I mean, these are people who, you know, they're good customers and we can make a lot of money on them. And so that is how we define kind of this top 10%. But so anyway, any more thoughts on infrastructure data before we move on to step two? Oh, let's do this step two. All right. So step two, <clears throat> I think, is another critical part. And I want to start it with just kind of a quick example. You know, imagine, well, Michael Gerber gives a great example in his book. Um, oh, gosh, what's the name of that book, Dan? E-Myth. So, yeah, so he gives Remember a great Michael? example. <laughs> oh, yeah, we had him in, on earlier. But, you know, he tells a story in that book about he went to, he used to go to a, a place to get his hair cut. He'd asked for the same haircut each time, and each time he'd walk out to love the people, but each time he'd get a different haircut. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I really, really like the people, but I had asked, like, I'd ask for the same haircut every time, and sometimes I'd have a great haircut, and sometimes I'd do something he's different. Blonde one day, he's a brunette. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, so eventually, you know, he he decides one day he's like, you know, I'm just not going to go back to that place because I can't, I can't depend on what they're going to give me, and so. So I would say, you know, that is really step two. And, and step two is, is that you absolutely need to standardize 
your customer experience, meaning that, you know, what's possible, meaning that you understand that this is the process. This is how we, you know, this is what we say to a customer when they call in. This is what we say to a customer and we show up on their door. This is what we do when a customer does it. The, the fact is, is that if you don't have standards in place, you will not be able to any change you make. You will have no clue as to whether or not that change has any result, you know, positive or negative, because the fact is, is you have no standard to compare it to. And so, you know, when it comes to your customer experience, <clears throat> the very first thing is, is that you need to standardize what a call looks like when someone calls in. You need to standardize what a response looks like when someone texts, you know, the office. You need to standardize what a technician says to a customer uh, when he or she is on the doorstep getting ready to do the service. And that's a big, that's a big thing to do, right? But, but the fact is, is that if you don't have standards, you don't have something consistent to measure whether or not your customer experience is working because you're going to have some people who are going to do great in customer experience. You're going to have other people who are not, and you're going to have all kinds of, you know, customers that love you, customers that hate you. And the reality of it is, is that, well, they have good reason, you know, because there's nothing standard about your business. And so the other part is, is that I think this is probably the, the most important part of standardization is that now you have a training tool. When you bring someone in, you know, you're not depending on, is this person a nice person? Does this person understand the basics when it comes to customer experience? Now you can train them on what that looks like in your system, because I can promise you that the way that you treat customers as an owner and the way that you, you know, some of your folks when they first come in are going to treat customers, there's going to be a difference there, a big difference. And so, so there's a whole, uh, you know, that's the customer experience is terrific, but what a lot of times what we see is, uh, you know, uh, companies that have grown, grown nicely, right? They, they let their technician take care of everything, you know, do their own route, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, because they're paid a percentage and, and so there is no standardization. And what happens is it, you can grow nicely that way, as long as everybody, you know, your technicians are, and, and you are buddies, right? But really when you do that, the company belongs to that technician. And I'm not saying that, you know, there's non-competes and everything, but that guy can leave your company and can take the whole route with you. And so it's really important that it, what I find is, you know, that the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And so if that technician's doing everything, so we, we don't, we don't, uh, you know, touch him, but, but, but really he needs to be uh, you know, part of the system, he needs to be, you know, the, the work needs to be standardized and um, the work needs to belong to you, the company, not the technician or the CSR. The other thing too, is that you can bring other technicians, you can bring the level level of service up, you know, I mean, it's almost like um, when you have a standard, you know, most people that come in, may not be used to providing the level of service or think that they need to provide the level of service because they've never seen anything like it. You know, imagine someone who's in their thirties, they used home services before, you know, their experience may be that they don't, they don't really understand what phenomenal service looks like. And so it's really important for you to define what that is so that you can scale it because as you grow, you know, much like what you just said there, Dan, when you're like, you know, you're like 2 million or lower, you know, and you've got, I don't know, eight technicians. Pretty easy to keep your 
hand and, and, and making sure everyone's kind of on the same path. When you have 80 technicians, you can forget that. No way. No way it's going to happen. So, all right. So that's step number two. So one is infrastructure, two is standardization. Number three, and you would think this would be number one, but it actually is not, uh, is map it out. And you kind of alluded to this earlier, Dan, but, you know, years ago when when I first got in the pest control industry, I attended a, a meeting called United We Stand. Um, the North Carolina Pest Management Association put it on. It's a fantastic meeting. They still do it. Um, but they brought in Mike Rodler, uh, who's a good friend of mine, and he talked about actually KPIs. It was one, you know, and he had mapped out the entire business process and which KPIs, you know, at that time for him were most important. And I remember in that presentation, man, I, I think I took like four pages of notes um, and I got a copy of his presentation afterwards. And I used it for like five years when I first started to just set my business up that way, because I had never mapped out, you know, the entire way that my business works. And so, so I would say, you know, step number three, and this is really important, is that you need to map out what your ideal experience looks like. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, okay, well, the technician does this or the office does this. Like you actually need to be the customer. And I've talked about this before, but um, okay. So Dan, question. CO2, you know, in the, I mean, just in the past, has it been, I mean, would you say that that conference is designed around the experience of the customer? Well, I mean, without giving you a big head, that in terms of content uh, <laughs> and in terms of just, it's probably one of the best conferences in the in the industry. It's just uh, the content is great, the entertainment's great, the um, you know the the, the friendship. It's just a, it's a great vibe. It's it, it's a terrific conference. Well, each didn't year by accident, I know that did not happen by accident, and it's kind of funny because. You know, our first CO2, we had, I think, like 20 people show up. I mean, this was years and years ago. And then our second one, I did something I had never done before. I, I pulled in everyone who was part of the conference. This was like, you know, three different people. And I started with, okay, I am in the plane and I'm flying to Raleigh to attend CO2. Where's my text message telling me what happens? And we literally walked through every okay I'm, I'm getting out of the plane um, i mean we we literally put ourselves in the seat of a customer and we walked exactly through the entire and so what that turned into were text messages with you know hey the next event is here click here for a map on how to get there it turned into people getting these like goodie bags and they first showed up you know it turned into just the really small details that really set apart the conference and i don't say that like you know toot my own horn or anything i just make a point that <clears throat> when you sit down and you map out the experience, don't map it out based on what the technician is going to do or what the, you know, what the office person is going to do. Actually sit down and map it out from what the customer is going to do. That's really important. And what that's going to do is it's going to span many, many departments. And you're going to find at least what I did in, you know, taking this back to Triangle is that oftentimes those handoffs between departments are not as smooth <laughs> And it's not as graceful as you would like for them to be much like, you know, when Mike Rodler had mapped out the business process, I think you need to be a customer. You're sitting on your couch and now 
you know, you've got a bug or you're looking at your lawn or you see a commercial, I pick up the phone and that's where you start. Um, and, you know, go all the way through the process to the point that now I'm completely elated with, you know, this company, your company, and I'm writing this fantastic review on Google. That's the end point. And so, you know, your job is, is to optimize what sits in between that. So does that make sense? It's kind of interesting. I was um, actually um, on a team call the other day with a bunch of uh, service guys. And uh, one of the things that, that they were talking about is um, dedicated salespeople versus CSRs. And um, it was you know, one of the guys wanted to merge them even after he broke uh, the the dedicated salespeople out. And it was all about saving money and saving time and whatnot. And one of the, the, the guys who has a, a good inside sales group said, yeah, but it's all about the customer experience. And it's also about the employee experience is, you know, uh, if you're single focus is sales and making sure that you get that sale and you get it in the right way, you know, you've, you've carved that piece out and, uh, you know, you set up your structure for that. So it's, it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, on how you actually map it out in terms of the experience, the, the, the journey, as well as what, who, who does what to who. So, yep. Yep. So, so step number one is infrastructure. Number two, standardization. Number three is to map it out. Number four, and I talked about this kind of earlier, and this is going to be, I think, pretty controversial because, you know, we we talk about when you look at a bell curve of your customers, it's like, well, you know, you really should pay attention to the top part of your bell curve. I'm actually going to recommend that you don't do that. Um, I, you know, for me, I like doing less and making more. Um, I'm sure there's some folks out there that, you know, think, well, my gosh, he's lazy and they're right. But... <laughs> The reality of it is, is that, breeds absolutely yeah. <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that if you design your experience for the top part of your bell curve, that is not an you will you will end up not attracting your ideal customer. To me, again, I want to be on the right hand side of that bell curve, meaning that I want these customers who buy everything that we offer, who are very profitable. Um, who talk a lot to their friends and ultimately who, you know, bring more and more business of the kind of business that I want to our company. And, and you know, I can take this back to, you know, years ago when I decided to lop off our commercial. And, and by the way, this is not a knock on commercial whatsoever. I had sold the wrong kind of commercial. And in order for us to grow, I had to get rid of it because there was no way I was going to be able to grow you know, faster with what we had had. And I kind of view this the same way. There absolutely are customers that you should fire. There absolutely are customers that you should let go. There are absolutely customers that are not going to make you money. And if you keep your focus on the top of the bill curve, chances are you're going to hang on to those customers a lot longer than you really should. When you focus on the very top, you know, what you're going to do is you're going to move that bell curve over to the right even more. And that'll turn into more profitable customers less needy customers and really in your mind, I mean, you know, a much better customer base in my mind. And so, you know, step number four, and I think this is really, really important is that once you've got this mapped out on your piece of paper, look at your top 10% and now be one of those customers that go through that process. And, you know, and what that'll force you to do is it's going to, well, number one, it's going to force you to sell more services because you're going to say, okay, this person I know will buy whatever I propose to them, 
we're at in this process, are they getting introduced to other services that we have? And so, you know, the, the reality of it is, is what you're trying to do here is you're trying to create a, you know, your ultimate customer experience with customers that you actually want. <laughs> you know? So that's a, that's a big difference. You know? it, we run into, and, and it's funny, we, we actually, at the accounting firm, you know, we have some, believe it or not, we have some very difficult clients. And, no. you know, our client managers, some of them will just, you know, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make this person happy. And that's a great thing to do, right? That's a great attitude. But at some point, you got to say, well, no, it, it, it's not worth it. And like you said, fire the customer. And that is not a good, that, that, that's not what entrepreneurs, um, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's, it's very difficult for an entrepreneur to, to think that way, but, but that's what you've got to do. And, and, and there's easy ways to do that, right? It's not a phone call being like, you know what? You suck. You're fired. You don't do that, right? What you, <laughs> well, as much it, as you'd like to. <laughs> yeah, as much as you'd like to. That's, that, that's not a good way of doing it. The way that you do this is you gracefully give them a decision where you kind of know the outcome. And, and, you know, Dan has talked about this in the past. And I think it's a fantastic way of doing price increases is you look at, hey, here are the customers I want. Here are customers that are giving me six and seven callbacks uh, a year. You know, I'm going to apply a metric to these customers. <clears throat> and so the ones who are in the slot, the, the customers that I like, probably are not going to get a price increase. If they do, pretty minimal, minimal. These customers that are calling me six and seven times a year, I might double their price and send them a letter. Hey, you know what? We really hate to inform you of this, but we're going to have to raise your price. And they'll call you and they'll tell you that, that you know, you're just completely awful and they're going to change. And you're just going to say, yeah, I just I'm, I'm so sorry. And they're going to move on. Take a look at um, it. Uh, you know, I do a column every month for PMP magazine. So I just wrote the April um, uh, uh, column and it's on price increases and how you do it. But one of the points that I made and somebody, uh, um, you know, I, I have a friend of mine who uh, he owns a, a technology company that that meters internet usage for cable companies, right? Because eventually they're going to charge you for what you use, just like the utilities, right? You use a lot right. of electricity, you get a high bill, right? And that's what he does. And as I thought about price increases, that's exactly what you're doing, right? You're paying for usage. If that person's a pain and uses you 20 times, then you've got to charge them for the 20 times. That's that's the electric bill, right? If you have somebody who just uses you very few times, you charge them less. And, and that's how you figure all that out. Um, Obviously, if the reason that they're using you 20 times is because you have a training issue or it's 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 a, it's a problem on your side, well, then you can't do it. But different people have different tolerances for pests, uh, for their lawn, you know, how many weeds that that, that they're yeah. you know that they're yeah. going to allow in their lawn, and you know, you're going to pay for that. If I want zero weeds, I'm going to I'm going to uh, pay for that. If I want zero bugs, I'm going to pay for that. So, no, and that's that's a great point. And I, and I think at the end of the day, the, the main point here is that when you sit down and you design your ideal customer experience, design it for your ideal customer. Right. Don't design it for someone that, you know, or kind of middle of the pack, you know, design it for people who are going to make you and they're going to be very profitable customers. They're going to be very easy customers because in the end, your team will love it. You'll love it. The customer will love it. And overall, you know, your company is going to do much, much better over the long term with that. So, all right. <clears throat> so 
Number four was design it for your high, your highest desirable customer. Number five, and this is a big one, is train your team. Now, this sounds so basic, and it is, but you know, this is like getting in shape. Everyone knows you need to eat less and work out more, but very few people do it. And, you know, the other thing is, is that most folks say, well, you know, our, our, our people are nice. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> but, you know, you know, he's a good salesman because he's a good yeah. talker. Oh, yeah. No. And but, you know, I put this step as number five because you can't really do it until you do the other four, meaning that you must have the infrastructure in place. You absolutely have to have standards and you have to have systems. And if you don't have those things, what do you have to train? Well, be nice, but to me, there's really no follow-up. And there's, I mean, when you tell people what to do and you don't train them on what to do them or train them, them on how to do it, you frustrate them. And so don't be that person. And, you know, the way to do that is, is that you have standards, you have the infrastructure so that you can, you know, replicate what happened and you have the systems in place that help them to be successful in providing that awesome customer experience. And what that looks like is, is that when every person comes in the door, and at Triangle, you know, I'm going to talk about this book at the end. I have this book that people just, I've used it now for over 10 years. It's a, it's kind of an older book. It's called Super Service. And if anyone from Triangle right now is listening, I'm sure they are rolling their eyes because it's an older book, but it talks about this whole idea of how to treat a customer, period. Whether they're upset, it talks through, you know, how to deal with a, 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 an upset customer. It talks through how to, you know, delight a customer. And the fact is, is that every single person that comes to work at Triangle must read that book and must pass the test for that book. And that's your initial training. And, and what it does is it gets everyone kind of plugged in and, and going in the right direction of this is how we treat customers at this company. We don't disrespect customers. We certainly don't yell at customers. And we always maintain a very professional you know, front anytime we're dealing with customers. And that is, you know, that tone is set right out the gate when they first come in, because that is our culture. And I don't want anyone coming in with, you know, yeah, I'm really nice until someone yells at me or curses at me. And then that gives me a license to do that back. You know, that is not, you know, acceptable at Triangle. And so, you know, you have to train your people. And I think, you know, the initial training and how you set the tone right out the gate is very, very important. But like most things, it never lasts. And so, you know, the other thing that we do is we do a weekly training meeting that is focused on customer service. We do that across the board. That's both field and office. And, you know, do people learn something out of these meetings that's just mind blowing that they didn't know before? Um, maybe I'd like to think that they do, but it's it's not really the intent. The intent is to keep how often it. Do you, yeah. How often do you go back to it? So I joined Triangle and I got a read the book and take the test and is that well, it or yeah it's super service yeah super service is once and then after that it's like you know we'll go through books together there's other books that we can do the, the, again i really could care less what book we read i, I mean you, there's tons of stuff on the internet that talks about how to deal with a pissed off customer how to do you know that it really you know the content of itself and this is going to sound crazy when i say this the content isn't nearly as important as the consistency of the discussion every single week. That's what really matters is it's always top of mind. And the other point I'd make out of that is that you're never done. You're never done training on customer service ever, you know, customer experience, whatever you want to call it. And so number five, 
I think is probably the most important part, you know, your job is that, you know, setting up your standards, your infrastructure and your systems, and then making it very, very clear to everyone that this is a big deal. And this is kind of what you expect, because again, as a service company, this is your only differentiator. You know, we can all, I mean, you go to any, <clears throat> you go to any business conference and you got a bunch of pest and lawn guys together, all of them, you know, you ask them all, Hey, what, what makes you different? Well, we, we offer really good service by definition, by definition, if everyone offers good service, you know, there has to be, there has to be like the high end, you know, statistically speaking, there's gotta be a middle and there's gotta be a bottom. So if everyone is doing great mathematically, does that make sense? Uh, so, so how often do you do the training? So, so, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. If, if everybody's doing the same, then it's just a commodity. So you've got to differentiate yourself, but how often, so you said that you, you get together and, and that's an interesting point. I, I, I had thought about the training as in terms of the content, uh, the specific content, but you're saying it's just getting together, discussing it, having thought provoking conversations. That's how often right. do you do that with your, with your, do you do it with the whole company? Do you technicians yep. one day inside sales and next? So, what's the so mechanic? It depends. Oftentimes we do it by department, you know, so all of our field folks do it on a specific day. All of our office folks do it on a specific day in our company meeting. Usually I will talk about something and, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on when I talk about public hangings. Um, because we do those, um, but <clears throat> but you know the, the reality of it is is that there should be an ongoing conversation about this, and you know it should never end. And, and the reality of it is is that, again you're just communicating pretty clearly to everyone that this is extremely important. So, all right. So number six, Dan. By the way, just for our listeners, anytime Dan travels, which is a lot. I'm going to I'm going to start this now. You know, everyone knows he stays at the Ritz Carlton if there's one in town. So that's the. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I think I've been there a few times, but that's about it. <laughs> By the way, the one in St. Thomas is awesome. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, the Ritz Carlton is is actually, you know, the, that company is well known for their customer experience. And they have, you know, one of their things that they have in their culture is that, you know, ownership of a problem. Meaning that, you know, it doesn't matter what your job is. If a customer comes to you with a problem, you now own that problem. And they give them latitude up to 5K to make the problem right. So imagine that for a moment, right? You're, I don't know, you're, I mean, what's the job that you do at the hotel? Let's say you're a valet guy and a customer walks up to you and says, hey, my room wasn't clean. Well, guess what? The valet guy now owns that problem. And, and it's going to get, and I mean, he may not go up and like actually clean the room, but the fact is, is that he doesn't do anything else until that problem is resolved. And the company promotes that. And, you know, they give them up to $5,000 discretionary, you know, to solve the problem. And so, you know, what I would say to that number, step number six is enable your team, meaning that, you know, at Triangle, you know, we give people, um, you know, the ability over the phone, I think they get up to like $200. They can give out a free service. They can give a credit towards their account. There's, but, but the goal out of all of this is when I say enable your team is enable them to solve the problem right then. Because there's a tendency in human psychology is the more you tell a story where you are the victim and the more you tell the story where something sucked, you get pissed off every single time you have to tell it. And so imagine someone calls in and says, you know, you guys suck. This is what happened. Like, oh, 
yeah, that's that department. And then you tell it again, this time a little bit more, you're, you're upset because now it's like really, oh, well, no, that, that, let me get you to this manager over here. And then by the third and fourth time you're telling this story, you're already like five times more pissed off than you were before you got into, before you had your initial call. And so if that person says, oh, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that. What can we do to make that better? You know, and then boom, it's solved and then it's over. And so, you know, if you want a really, really good customer experience, give your team the ability to make decisions on the front line. And I'm not saying, you know, hey, you give them $10,000. I'm not, I'm not going that far, but I am saying that, you know, if they can resolve it right when the customer calls in, they don't need to go to a manager, your customer experience is gonna be way, way better. And we did this at Triangle probably about four years ago, and we saw an immediate bump in our customer service scores. You know, it used to be that if our customer service number was over 90%, that was fantastic. Now the bar sits at 98%. You know, I mean, so, it's just we've gotten better. Do, do, how, how does that affect profitability in terms of is or do you find that people are giving everything away or not necessarily? No, I we don't see it. I mean, I really don't. You know, when you're talking about, hey, you know what? We'll just give you a free mosquito when we're out there or what it just it just when you look at what it does versus what it costs, I'll pay that money all day long. Pay that money. I mean, because, you know, now you've turned that person into a salesperson, meaning that pissed off customer into a sales, not in all cases, you're going to have some people who are going to take advantage of it. And, you know, obviously if your CRM is really, really good and you got a history on this person and they always are calling in and nothing we do, well, then that's, you know, they're, they're ones that are right for that price increase that we talked about earlier. But, but the fact is, is that most people, when they got a problem, they call in, the person resolves it right then. That's a fantastic <clears throat> experience for them. And you prevent this 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 part where they're having to tell that story multiple times and then getting more and more angry as they go. So so step number six, enable your team, um, you know, and that's, you know, after you've trained them, now enable them to actually take care of problems. Now, now we get to the fun part. This is the part where this is what you do as an owner. And I talked about this earlier, but but step number seven is communicate clearly your intent. I am not opposed one bit and i'm not ashamed to do this i will do a public hanging when it's necessary meaning that if we listen to a call and someone goes off script someone yells at a customer which i don't never really happens but you know someone does something where you know they really were not following our system i will play that call in front of the entire company and we will deconstruct. So just just for a little uh, color right now, you know, we work off an outline and I'm reading the outline uh, for public hangings. And Donnie has number one, when somebody loses their <laughs> SH asterisk T. So how do, you, how do you know? How do you know it's not shot? I could be shot when someone loses a shot. <laughs> I'm just seeing this outline. <laughs> well, I put that in there because you know, it does happen. Right. Yeah. Someone, you know, a customer call in, they're very rude. And for some people, that's triggering. And I get that. Right. But the fact is, is that just because someone's else, just because someone else is out of control doesn't give you a license for you now to be out of control. And we 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 train that, you know, I mean, just over and over and over again. And so if someone loses their shot. Should we say that someone loses their shot? Right. Um, I'm going to I'm going to do a public hanging. And we're going to talk about it, right? I'm going to play that call in front of everyone, and we're going to talk about what happened here. And so the reality of it is, is that when you do a, you know, when you do a public hanging like that, it communicates clearly that number one, you're watching. Number two, 
your standards matter. And, you know, and if it's someone who's done it, you know, three or four times, it's time for them to go. They don't belong at your company. Right. It's just and so it, it's just the reinforcement and it's a negative reinforcement. And I'm not one to sit, you know, everyone says, oh, say all the positive stuff. And I'm, I'm with you on that. But at the same time, you got to make it clear that, hey, when someone goes off script, you're looking. And the balance to that, and, and this is kind of part two of communicate clearly your intent, is you got to tell the hero stories, right? You know, we do a company meeting once a quarter. It's called Meeting Our Goals. I've talked about it in earlier shows, but where we get the whole company together, we go through, you know, our numbers. And I'm always in that there's going to be a hero story in that meeting where I'm going to find someone who did something above and beyond for a customer. And I'm going to publicly recognize that team member for their actions. And again, the whole idea behind this is that I'm communicating clearly to the company that this is important. You know, do it, being the hero for a customer, it's noticed, right? It's rewarded, it's recognized. And so it's just, you know, reinforcing, you know, your culture of, hey, we want to take care of our customers. That's really, really important that, that you communicate that clearly, both with hangings and with hero stories. So even when people lose their shot, so to speak. So anyway, yes. <laughs> all right, number eight, and we got to speed it up here. And, and this one, this one actually happened last week. Dan and I were at a meeting and we have a, a client that, that uses both Comarks and, and PCO. And I would say this client is fairly eccentric. Would you say that, Dan? You know I who I'm talking about. Yes, but that person's listening. We love Oh, him. yeah. I mean him. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, in the case of this client, um, she actually, she and he have a home here in Durham, and Durham is in the Raleigh market that we service. And she tries to buy service via text. And it took us two hours, meaning triangle, to sell that service via text. I so, was, so wait, wait, you got to frame it. So she's from outside the market. She bought a place yes. in uh, Carolina. That's in right. Market, and she said, hey, and she I trusted want me enough service. To, I'm going to call Triangle. Yeah, going to call Triangle. Actually, didn't call. She texted. Right. And it took us two hours to sell that service. I was floored. Could not believe it. So, of course, I'm sitting beside her and I'm getting these text updates that, hey, your guys haven't responded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she buys the service. After it's all said and done, I'm like, how did this happen? And so, you know, the reality of it is, is that we had found out that we had upgraded a couple of our systems. We had upgraded one of our one of our dashboards for the end. Somehow, some way, the texting part of our dashboard was not part of the standard desktop, like our CSRs and our inside salespeople were having to click off of their screen to actually see text that were coming in. And so that's why it was taking so long. So the reality of it is I would have never known that had I not saw someone try to go through the customer experience process. And so step number eight is if you have to pay your friends to test your process, like actually validate what you're doing. You know, <clears throat> you know, of course, once I found that hole, you know, it was fixed in two days. It was like, what are we going to do and how are we going to change it? And now it doesn't take two hours, right? Now it should take less than 10 minutes. But the fact is, is that I would have never found that hole had I not participated in the customer experience process as a third party, right? Riding shotgun with someone who actually wants to go through and purchase our service. So that's, that's step number eight. And again, in that one, I had it end up, well, I ended up, you know, eating a little crow on that one because I thought we were you know, so great. And it turns out eh, we were not as great as I thought we were. 
All right, speeding it up. Step number nine <clears throat> is it's the old saying: we don't suck as much as we used to. So. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So number nine is is to realize that things change. Um, so pay attention. You know, in the past, when I first started my company, email. I don't want to say email was a new thing. I'd more like to say um, it's it's you know email was kind of a newer thing, and collecting email addresses was considered taboo. Now it has changed such that you know email addresses are nothing, and it's collecting the cell number is taboo. But the fact is is that you really need to pay attention to what your customer preferences are because they change, and they change pretty quickly. And so, you know, what I would say out of that is pay attention. If you've got a 20 something that works for you, you have a 20 something that's a, either a spouse or a 20 something <laughs> that is one of your kids, pay attention to what they're doing because the fact is, is that's what you're going to need to do to address their preferences, you know, come five, 10 years from now. And so I would just say, always be looking for ways to upgrade your customer experience and don't get locked into, you know, this is the way that we do it. And it's a great customer experience because customer preferences change all the time. And I just put a note on here, TikTok sales. I think TikTok is the most worthless piece of software ever designed. But you know what? They're folks it's like that. It's, and it's crazy, right? It, and so are we going to sell services via TikTok? I don't know. I am not going to go up and do some song and silly dance to sell services. If I've got to do that, I may have to get into a different industry. But the, the fact is, is that, you know, <clears throat> we have to look at things like that because they are changing. And so just to wrap up here, step number 10, and I think this one is um, I think this one is really important, is that you as an owner should always be looking for ways that you can learn more about the customer experience and ways to improve it. I've got some recommendations for books. Uh, I talked about this one earlier, but, you know, Super Service with Jeff and Val Gee. It's an older book. It's a little dated. It's a little goofy, but that thing is gold. Um, in terms of just getting folks on the same pages to what your expectations are. Another one that I really like is called The Effortless Experience by Matthew Dixon, uh, Nick Stolman, and, and Rick Villessi. That's a fantastic book that walks you through how a customer thinks and how a customer should buy and why that is such a competitive advantage in service. We're really in any company, but you know, Amazon, for example, has tons and tons of loyalty from Donnie Shelton, by the way, because it's just so easy to go on and snag something, right? I've got everything saved. I know what I need to do. It's well thought out of how to use a site. And so, you know, Effortless, Effortless Experience is a fantastic book to read and really a fantastic book to think through as you, you know, as you draw out what your customer, your ideal customer experience should be like. And then the last one is Uplifting Service by Ron Kaufman. That's a book I read. I don't know that there's a ton of actionables out of that, but it was a fantastic read. Um, and it's a good way to think about how do you bring um, a lot of good emotions to your service and to your experience. And so, Dan, I tried to finish out quick here at the end. Anything you can think of that we missed or that we should talk about before we finish out here? I think that about covers it. Um, I think it's a it's a it's a very important topic um, because you know you could commoditize what we do um, and. When you do that, then then you're no better than anyone else. So what's the reason that people buy from you? It's because you've got this unique selling proposition, and and that could be customer experience or uh, many other things. But it's all about differentiating yourself. And so I think that this was a terrific topic. Yeah, yeah. Well, with that, everyone, you have yet again wasted another 40 minutes with Dan and I. We do appreciate that. And as a reminder, 
We're highly compensated for our podcast, meaning that we don't get any payment at all. So we appreciate any likes, any reviews that you have. And with that, we're going to end the show and everyone have a good day. We'll talk to you soon.